the story that you have is my worst nightmare, uh-huh. which is that you did a college, you said a joke that they didn't like, and then and they I got, like I got he famous gave me the hook. They yes. gave me the hook. Yes. No, they cut the mic. Uh, <laughs> and, and that was that was they a, cut your mic. That hurt my feelings. <laughs> but the, and the but the joke was good that you said, and it actually not even offensive. It's, it's like a kind progressive, of progressive joke about being gay can't be a choice. Because no one would choose to be gay if they're already black, right? Right. And uh, so the, follow, the tag to the joke is the only person that chooses to be gay is Mike Pence. He chooses to not be gay every day. Like that's like what I was trying to get at. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it was a segue joke. Yeah, it really was. It really was. It was a transition right. joke. And uh, that hit people's ear wrong. Maybe 10 minutes later, they were on stage. Like, you got to go. You, you're not entitled to those jokes. And, I, you know, I thought about it. They're right. So you do think they're right? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> that is the voice of Nimesh Patel. Nimesh Patel is such a funny comic. Um, he is a comic who I've honestly, I feel like I've known for just years and years and years and years. Uh, I've worked with him side by side at the Comedy Cellar. He has a, a new special called Lucky Lefty. <laughs> or I lost my right nut and all I got was this stupid special. Uh, it's available on YouTube. I am currently in London with The Old Man and the Pool. It is at the Wyndham's Theater. It is the finale of The Old Man and the Pool. Uh, tickets at burbigs.com. We just added a seventh and eighth show in Boston for Christmas, and that's going to be all new material. The Wilba! Those shows are always so fun because Joe goes... I bet Peter will be there. My sister Gina will be there. It should be a really fun time. We also just announced shows in Vancouver. We added a third show in Seattle at the Moore Theater, one of my favorite theaters in the world. All of this on burbigs.com. And uh, but today's chat with Nimesh is just awesome. He's just a he's a fascinating person. He's uh he has a remarkable story about getting kicked off stage at Columbia University when he's performing. He actually wrote a piece about it in the New York Times. We talk about that. He talks about writing for Chris Rock for the Oscars, surviving testicular cancer. It's just a great chat with a hugely funny person, great comic. Enjoy my conversation with the great Nimesh Patel. Your special on YouTube, which is great, is called Lefty. Lucky Lefty, yeah. (laughs) Lucky Lefty. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I.e. your testicle. Yes. Um, Because you had testicular cancer. I did. You said that you have a fake ball. (laughs) You have a fake ball. Yes. Prosthetic ball. Correct. What's it made of? Silicone. (laughs) I got a titty in my balls. (laughs) It's my favorite. I like that line so much. (laughs) I like that line a lot. So when you... Does it, there's no nerve endings mm-hmm. in it, right? So you can't, f- can't it, feel anything. You can't feel it, but you can, you're, I'm aware your of other ball can yes. feel it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they, they're together. So there's some symmetry. Oh, yeah, they're together. They're hanging out. You know, I feel like the left one, it took a little while for it to get used to the new partner in town. But yeah. They've, I mean, they have to. It's an arranged marriage now, you know. It, yeah. They're, they're, they're growing together, living together. How far into, getting it taken out were you like i'm talking about this on stage immediately immediately i knew it was going to be something i have to talk about because i had come off 
what, like a year of touring. Yeah. I taped my first special, Thank You China, in December 21. Yeah. January 2022, I'm, I have like, you know, 15 shows left before I can take like a two-week break. Yeah. And then I got to go back out on the road. Yeah. And I had nothing. Because I was going back to some of the same cities, right. like I was like just back so out. So this is the best thing that could ever happen. Exactly, know? cancer. <laughs> yeah, it was just like <laughs> all right. That literally <laughs> fell in my lap, like when I was like, "What the fuck am I going to talk about?" And then I was like, "Oh, this is what I'm going to talk about." And like, if you go back to, if I were to show you my notes from last year, yeah, I was literally writing it down every day, like the things I had just. Like marking down everything. Right, that every happened. doctor visit. Yeah. Not even. It was just like anything strange that happened that day. You right. Know, like as a as a writing technique. Mm-hmm. At, I try to start every year saying I'm gonna recap the previous day every morning. Right? Yes. It's like a fun, important exercise yeah. just for your own brain. And my memory starting to go. So yeah. I was like, let me do some shit. And so I was doing that already. I was in that habit. And so when this happened, I was like, Oh, this is why this habit is good. This is why I'm, I'm gonna just take notes every day. Yeah. And every day something stupid happened. Wow. And so and so in those like five yeah. days, in those five days, I, I got at least 10 minutes a day and then I whittled that down to what it became. That's so, huge. Yeah. It was just like, like just sitting. That's inspiring in it, me right now. Just like you in, saying that is making me be like, I got to write tonight. Yeah. It's, it's, but like just like five minutes, 10 minutes, just recap what happened. And then your brain will be like, oh, that is funny. How do I make that funny? what's funny about it or like what lie can I make up about something that happened today Yeah, that would end up being funny. Right, what's an, what's an exaggeration of something that occurred today that's funny? Exactly, but luckily every day something that was true happened that I didn't have to make some shit up. Wow. And I was just like, this is crazy. This is like, this is gonna be a, a very fun thing to write. It's crazy like, there's all this discussion, like we talk on this show a lot about like, how do you find your voice as a comic and all this stuff. And it's like, literally what you're saying is you, how you find your voice. Yeah. You write every day, you write down what happened and guess what? That's your voice. Yes, exactly. I'm like, what? And then hopefully something's, either your brain eventually trains itself to, on like the third sentence that you write or say, some it's something funny. You yeah. Know? Like over time, your brain just becomes that way of operating. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is cool. It's crazy, like, I didn't realize this at the time, but, like, you wrote for Chris Rock's Oscars in 16? 2016, yeah, when, yeah, when he hosted. That's wild. Yeah, that was my first writing job. That's unbelievable. <laughs> You're telling was, me, yeah. Was that just from meeting him at the Comedy Cellar? No, that was that was before the Cellar. It was... You weren't even past at the Cellar? No, no, no. That was a pivotal, if ever I write a biography or whatever it is. yeah. In, on my epitaph, on my tombstone, it will be like that. I like a checkpoint in my comedy life. Yeah, or would be in anyone. Right. It was 2015. I just got rejected from Montreal for like the third time, and <laughs> I was really mad. Yeah. Right. More than anything, I was just like, "Come on!" And July 2015 or so, August 2015, I think it was. Chris is coming to see Langston Kerman. At, mm. Remember, you did Matchless a bunch of times, Broken yeah. Comedy. He's, seen, he's coming to see Langston Kerman. This is before Michael Che was on SNL, I think. No, it was right before. Right he before. Was, I think he had just gotten Daily Show. It was like that yeah. summer almost. It was that moment. It was yeah. Michael Che's moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, and he's coming to see Langston. Yeah. He's late, Chris is, and so he, Langston can't go up. Uh, no other comic is there uh, who hasn't already gone up and i'm like well chris is coming i'm like they're like yeah i'm like all right well i'm going up chris walks in i go up 
have a great set. Uh, Chris tells me I'm funny afterwards. I'm like, that's the craziest thing that's ever happened yeah. to me in my whole life. It's like the ring. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I <laughs> you made won it. the ring. I made it at that moment to me. For sure. And uh, and then like three months later, he got the hosting job and I got an email saying, come right. No way. I swear. I still got the email. <laughs> that is like, that is the, one of the most affirming things I think that can possibly happen. Oh, it was insanity. Is that someone who you respect to that degree just says like, I think what you're doing is good. They don't even have to say you're that good. No, he's just, you go, hey, you're good. He, he I mean, you've met Chris a billion yeah. times. I'm like, like, you know that face? Yeah, that incredulous face. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're really funny. Yeah, <laughs> you're Chris Rock. Yeah, bro. he does that thing. <laughs> yeah, he goes. Yeah, no, he's saying, girlfriend's boyfriend's good. <laughs> it's good. And then he's like thinking about it. He's like. It's really good. Yeah. It's really good. Uh, it's like I surprised him or something. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's interesting. There's a through line to what you're saying between like when you found out you had cancer and you're writing stuff down every day and then you're pitching jokes to Chris Rock years ago for the Oscars. It all, and like some of them bomb and whatever. It all, like on this show, we talk about process so much. It so much comes back to just like doing it it's and all, doing it it's and all doing it. It's yeah. all just repetition. Yeah, it's it's like anything you want to get good at. It's just you just got to do it all the time. I feel like like a lot of times when people ask me for advice, it's like they want they want me to say the hack. That's yeah. like don't you don't have to do the work. Yeah, you can do this other thing so you don't have to do the work. And like, I don't know what to tell you. No. I just don't know what to tell you. You have to do it. It's, it's, uh, the hack is discipline. <laughs> like, it is. It's just discipline. Do you view yourself as disciplined? Not at all. <laughs> do you, when do you, then how do you find it? I have, I have. When you're writing for Chris or you're writing notes when you get cancer every yeah, day, like, I, how do you find it? I have to give myself a, a pressurized deadline or mm -hmm. situation or goal that I'm aiming at. This is great. And I'm saying this is great because I mean, it's great for me. It's just a <laughs> reminder to me to do it. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, everyone should do it in anything you wanna be doing. Yeah. Um, whether it be riding or, you know, bicep curls, whatever it is. So like for me, I gotta set with myself a goal and then I have to like, okay, remind myself I have this goal and then get to work on it. Because otherwise, I'll, I'll just do it like a week before the thing is due. Yeah. Or like if I have to go out on tour, I'll wait like a week before to like start cracking on this hour. But I, right now, I know I have two months until I go back out. Yeah. Uh, for real. And so I got to make sure I utilize that time. And it's just like a matter of at least putting the work in every day somehow. I had Ira Glass on and he was saying this piece of advice about basically like if you want to do anything in the creative space, like – Start today. Don't do it yeah. tomorrow. Don't blah, blah, blah. Even know? what I'm saying, like what you're saying to me right now is inspiring me. It really is. And I think about this stuff all the time. And just you saying it, we've known each other for a long time. Like I see you at the cellar killing all the time. I'm working. Like, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like it's for me, it just like gives me a push. The first time you. And I ended up, I think, having a substantial conversation with a comedy teller was about your op-ed about your gig at Columbia. Yes. Because you did a thing at in the New York Times about how you, <laughs> the story that you have is my worst nightmare, uh -huh. which is that you did a college, you said a joke that they didn't like, and then and they I got, like, I got he famous gave you the for, hook. 
They yes. gave you the hook. Yeah, so I wish they had a hook. Or, at least. Right. It would have been a, a very that would have been okay with. Would they, 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 they cut your mic or grab you or something? No, they cut the mic. Uh, <laughs> and, and that was that was. They a, cut your mic. That hurt my feelings. <laughs> it was just like, so when they when you say they cut your mic, is the microphone off? But I'm, you're talking regular. I'm holding the mic, and there's the three young women who kick me off are on stage, and they tell me to say closing remarks, and uh, as I'm giving them I buy, I try a joke that like I try to make it a conversation but it's a joke yeah uh the, and falls flat yeah and then like I, th- I forget what I was saying afterwards and then at mid sentence like oh, you cut my mic and then I'm like all right <laughs> cool so they <laughs> walked on while you're doing stand up at Columbia correct and they say you're done basically yes could you please come off correct I mean, this is wild. How it, many people in the audience? A couple hundred, for sure. And are you doing well with the audience? I'm not doing, I'm not bombing, but I'm not killing. It's a college, it's a like auditorium. It's not made for comedy. I just, I followed break dancers and poets. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'm closing a show full of really heartfelt poetry, break dancing, and a bunch of other Asian shit. And I'm just like, all right, what, what are we doing here? Uh, I know this is an up, this is gonna be an uphill battle, and uh, it was. But 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 the, and the but the joke was good that you said, and it actually not even offensive. It's, it's like kind progressive of progressive joke, and uh, uh, about being gay can't be a choice because no one would choose to be gay if they're already black, right? Right. And which, if you think about it, is a fairly progressive statement, and it's, it's just like pro gay and it's pro black. Yeah, as I say it, as I say it. And as I, I stopped doing it for a very long time before that show, but I had to fill an hour and I was like, I don't have an hour right. uh, that I'm happy with and I need something well-structured. So I, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out what jokes I can put in. I was like, oh, that joke would work really well here because I was making fun of Mike Pence. Um, and I said, the, following, the tag to the joke is the only person that chooses to be gay is Mike Pence. He chooses to not be gay every day. Like, that's like what I was trying to get at. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but it was a segue joke. Yeah, it really was. It really was. It was a transition right. joke. And uh, that hit people's ear wrong. And I'm like, I, when I was saying it then, I stopped doing it because, like, this, who cares? This is too woke for me. Like, I didn't, right. like, I didn't, I, I didn't want to be that. Clapter kind right. of person. And so right. I was like, screw it, I don't want to do this anymore. And uh but I had to do it because I needed to fill the time. Yeah. And the lesson there is like just write more sh- new shit. <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> you don't have to do the old shit. And that was it. And I and when I, after I said that, like maybe ten minutes later, they were on stage. Like, you gotta go. You you're not entitled to those jokes. And I you know, I thought about it. They're right. So you do think they're right? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> what are we, are you serious? <laughs> I, one of the reasons I, I love it is that, is, is that everybody goes, you can't tell, everybody who's not in comedy always says to me, you can't tell jokes anymore. And I'm always like, yeah, you can. Yeah. And then I'm like, well, one of my friends can't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's you. Like, I that's can. my only example. I know. That's the thing. It's like, and I'm doing better than I've ever done. Right. <laughs> and after that, well, I did better than I ever did. Right. It kind of blew you up. It, it, it made me, 
a known entity with a few people, um, but it might it's not like my career talk on I, I was just known by more people. My name was in a lot more comedians' ears, but uh, did you book more colleges or less colleges from it? The college gigs that I did get after that, they were like, "Nah, talk about it." We're not like that. Yeah. You, you could say whatever the fuck you want here. Yeah. Thank God for the South, okay? Oh, my <laughs> thank, God. Thank God for those oh colleges. Oh, my God. Uh, they might you be, book like three colleges in the South? They might be Christian, but God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, those Christians have a good sense of humor. <laughs> well, weirdly, you probably became like a signpost for right-wing people. I became, I became, uh, or for at least some people, I became uh, like, see, See, with that, that yeah. right wing, the liberal colleges are taking down their own because yeah. you know, the right, quote unquote. Well, that's one of their up causes. Yeah. Yeah. They saw me as, uh, it, they. The, my favorite tagline was like, the left eating their own. Mm. And I was like, oh, you just assume I'm left, quote unquote. And I am. I lean, I'm progressive, so to speak, but like, I'm not like, one of these like hyper vigilant liberal people, right? Uh, not that there's anything wrong with that. But yeah. Like like so that was like a big. That was thing just a full assumption. Yes. Yeah. And based on you not being white, white exactly. Yes. <laughs> exactly. A thousand percent. <laughs> which uh, is kind of hilarious on its own. Yes. Too, which is the left eating its own, and they don't even ask you what your political no, affiliation is. No, just a automatic assumption. Well, I was ex SNL writer. Gets yeah. kicked off stage from Ivy League University slash is Indian. Like, isn't this crazy? And, and that was that was a large part of the narrative uh, wow. for a while. But what was it? Wait, to- were you? Did you go to Ivy League? No, I went to NYU. Oh, okay. Rejected from Columbia twice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> twice. Once from applying, yes. once on stage. Yeah. Yeah, Waitlisted yeah. and then rejected. <laughs> uh, we thought about it a bit longer and we've decided we were right in not letting you in the first time. You, you graduated in 2008 with like a finance degree in yeah, like man. the financial crisis. Uh, that was. Uh, <laughs> I often say that's why I became a comedian. Yeah. Graduating with a finance degree in 2008 was about the funniest thing you could do. <laughs> and uh, uh, I don't want to say, I, I'm also, I'm not just a victim of that circumstance. I was also not the best student in college. And so, like, I thought I came into college, like, thinking I was hot shit, you know? Yes. Went to NYU, fucking destroyed my SATs. Yeah. Freshman year, I got a 4.0 GPA. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to transfer to their uh business program stern undergrad yeah and because how hard could math be and <laughs> yeah and then i'm competing with people who have been like trading stocks since they were like nine yeah <laughs> i'm like i don't even know how the market works right like weirdly comedy is a better bet yes and so i got in and uh i did that but i graduated in 08 jobless and very uncertain about what i was going to do yeah like i was listless Wow. And uh, for like a year and change, I was unemployed, underemployed, got the bug, 2009, August, uh, stand up. Yeah. Did it for the first time. I was like, this doesn't seem that hard. <laughs> yeah. <So laughs> it was like, yeah. You just had good sets right away. I had a good set the first time. Yeah. You're it was the bringer at, Steph- at Stress Factory. What's that? Oh, really? Yeah. That was my first show ever. That's so funny. I brought 20 of my cousins. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. So a bringer show for people who don't know, because well, Zarna Garg was on the show and people, she's talked about bringer shows and like 
people are like, what's a bringer show? And so right. I feel like I have to explain to people, mm -hmm. you have to <laughs> basically bring your own. You gotta audience. harass, you gotta harass <laughs> your family to pay like 20 bucks and then drinks and chicken fingers. It's the pyramid scheme of starting out in comedy. A hundred percent, except it ends with that first show, you know, like that's- Yeah, it, it ends lot. with the first show, or I, it, unless you get a, uh, you want it, want to do I, more of it. Yeah, I, ta I, tapped, I tapped certain friends a lot early on and my family a lot early on to do those bringers. And uh, after that, like once I did that show, I was like, it doesn't seem that difficult. I'm smart. I went to NYU, graduated with a finance degree. How hard could comedy be? Yeah. And it was insanely difficult. <laughs> yeah. It's very difficult. So you were like, right out of the gate, you're at the Stress Factory in New Brunswick, and mm -hmm. you're like, well, this is good. I'm yeah. going to be really good at this. Yeah, I can try this. Yeah. And it seems like uh, the investment is merely my time, which as an unemployed yeah. and my UK. 2008. I got plenty. 2009. Yeah, I got plenty of time. And uh, then it became my goal because I was living at home to then move to Jer move to New York, like micro goal there. Like I, yeah. got, I don't want. I was taking a bus from my parents' place at like three o'clock in the afternoon so I can hit open mics at like five. And if I missed that three thirty bus, I would have to take the four o'clock bus, and then I would d be destroyed in traffic. Yeah, I remember sitting in that traffic like, oh fuck. For for the younger listeners, what a, Sorry, a, a what a, what a bus is. Yeah. <laughs> it's this big metal contraption that has, yeah, usually has like eight or ten wheels on yep, it. Yep, yep, yep. And people who uh, don't want to drive or have been banned from driving by the government <laughs> <laughs> still have jobs, have to go uh, to work. They take the bus. Do you remember your first joke that worked? Where you're like, oh, it's still it's a good joke. Yes, uh, it was my. McDonald's chicken nugget arbitrage bit. I don't know. It's very long, but it's like it's based on a true story where I went to this McDonald's at 51st and 3rd one night. And I was drunk and uh, about to go to my friend's place. Like, let me get some nuggets. And so I go into the McDonald's and there's two lines, but like on the menu, I'm looking like, all right, how much are 20 nuggets? And 20 nuggets is like $8. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's weird. That's a lot because the, the, you can get five piece nuggets for a dollar mm -hmm. so or four piece nuggets for a dollar so i was like okay well if i just get five of those that's five bucks this is eight dollars for the same amount of nuggets like why the box can't cost three dollars more <laughs> <laughs> like what are y'all doing over here and so I didn't do this, but I just like argued with the cashier. I was like, do you understand what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> this is preposterous. And, but like the joke I said was like, they had two lines at this McDonald's. So I, I ordered a five four piece nugget and tell them to put it in a 20 piece box. Made it rain barbecue sauce <laughs> all the way Made home. Made it rain barbecue sauce. That was, that was just like my, it was my, it was my favorite, one of my favorite bits because A, it happened. Yeah. B, I'd taken a scenario. Well, part of it happened. Yeah, part of it happened, yeah, but yeah. the other part, I had made the joke. Yeah, yeah. Right? You embellished the second half. Exactly, and it was complete. Yeah. It was like a full, yes. done, two-minute yeah. thing where like, I took people on a small little ride. A little journey. Yeah, and I got to say stuff like, like the part of like what I love about writing is sometimes you'll just do something that's for you. Yeah. Right? Like, hopefully someone in the crowd catches it. And I said... Uh, McDonald's is taking advantage of everyone too drunk to do math. 
<laughs> I'm never too drunk to do math. And, and like that, like that's my favorite part of it yeah, because yeah. it's like, I'm saying a lot about me. People who are Indian are like, oh yeah, Indian people never too drunk to do math. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, it, it's, I'm saying a lot about myself without having to say it. Support for Mike Birbiglia's Working It Out comes from Helix Sleep. Helix has been with this podcast from the very beginning. We are huge Helix Mattress fans over here. Let me tell you a few things that are great about Helix Sleep mattresses. They are fiberglass-free. Unlike other brands, Helix mattresses do not contain fiberglass, which can be harmful to your health, as you may have seen in the news or on social media. There have been a number of health issues and lawsuits related to fiberglass and mattresses. You know, actually, I used to, I used to have a mattress that was pure fiberglass. It was just, it was literally a bed of fiberglass. No longer. I sleep on Helix mattresses, which are fiberglass-free. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash burbigs. That's helixsleep.com slash burbigs. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long with Helix. Better sleep starts now. No, now. Working It Out is supported by Squarespace. Squarespace is an all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. I should point out that this is an ad for Squarespace, but I love Squarespace. I was thrilled when they became an advertiser because we've used them for years. Our website for Thank God for Jokes was Squarespace. Our website for Stand Up and Vote was Squarespace. Couldn't recommend it more highly. We use it all the time. Start a completely personalized website with the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint. You can sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses, or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music, or eBooks. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, head to squarespace.com slash burbigs, B-I-R-B-I-G-S, to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash burbigs to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Did you ever get beat Did you ever get punched in your life? I'm sure I got punched once or twice when I was a kid. I think I was bullied when I was like five or four. For real, yeah? Yeah, I think so. This kid, Jeffrey, was a bully. Um... He pushed me into a, he never punched me, but he pushed me into like a sink like that. Like, oh, wow. Like, like a, a counter like that. Yeah. And instead of it being, you know, rounded, it was pointed. And so I got hit like right here mm. and like went into my head. Oh, shit. I tried to get like mad stitches. Oh, my gosh. Your parents like, must have gone nuts. Yeah, I think my mom went a little crazy. Uh, but I was like four or five years old, but they were like, well, can't really do anything. I think that like, that's why my first, my mom's first like, white people ain't shit moment because uh, <laughs> you're like your first yeah i mean in america yeah for sure i was four or five i'm sure that was the first one where she encountered a white parent that she probably did not like uh, interesting and i think that's interesting to think about but yeah wait what's the white people ain't shit moment in general what does that mean like this is this is a country made by white people for white people uh and she had encountered a parent that was white that was like belligerent or mm. def overly defensive of some kid had done something wrong to her kid mm. and uh there was no like and the school was run by white administrators so she was just like 
they're not really doing anything. They're not taking my side about this whole thing. Like, fuck it. Right. And that was like her, I think one of her defining, like, can't trust this shit. Yeah. Kind of moments early on from that I encountered. Did you feel like that, like, as you as you got older, did you feel like you had that a lot? What? The white, white people ain't shit moments? No, absolutely not. I had a, I had a pretty pleasant... At least maybe I'm not, maybe I'm just blacking out all the moments that people were racist or anything to me, but I can't recall like a lot of racial or racist incidents happening. Yeah. It was like whenever I traveled with to places, it would be like 20 of us. Yeah. What are you, you going to say to 20 people? <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to say to 20 people? <laughs> Go home, you, all of you? Like, come on, bro. Like, no one's doing that. At least they didn't. Yeah. Um, all right, so uh -oh. I'm working on new jokes. You're working on new jokes. For real. All right. That's what I do on the show. Yes, yes, yes. I run, I run new jokes. We're working it out. We're working it out. Um, let me see if I can How can I be of assistance find. here? Right, let me see what I can find. Let yeah, me see yeah. what I can find. Well, this is this is what I think is kind of funny. It's like, it's like my daughter's eight, which is like an amazing age, but I can't live in the present. And so all I do is I just, my brain goes to when she's 16. And uh -oh. She's just going to be like, my dad is garbage. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. And But when I was a kid, you know, my, my dad didn't have to worry about that because like, they disregarded children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, we would say that, and they'd be like, is someone talking? You know what I mean? <laughs> but now I'm going to have to be like, she's so brave. I want to amplify her voice. You know what I mean? This, I am garbage. You're, you're annoyed that you have to be a, more of a parent than your dad was? Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. Really? You're just like, I can't. But you turned out fine. I turned out all right, I think. You know, so like as a as a dad... You're trying to embrace being a better dad than your dad was? I guess so. Because you're I just like, think like what no matter what and this joke that I've been kicking around which is like no matter what as a parent like your kids will reject you. Yes. That's part of the process of growing up. So start rejecting them now. <laughs> start rejecting <laughs> them the now. Switch. That's funny. You know, have them come to you. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, yeah, so I'm just sort of coming to grips with the idea of like, oh, yeah, I guess that's going to happen. And, yeah, how's that going to go? Yeah. But, like, I had this joke the other day where I, Jenny and I went to see uh, our daughter in a ballet recital and we're crying and crying because she, she doesn't have it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm in the business. I, I have a sense for this kind of thing. <laughs> she can't stand on her toes yet? Yeah. It's like 101. If you can't stand on your toes by eight years old, you know ballerina yeah. is not for you. Yeah. No black swan for you, lady. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was hugging, I was hugging her afterwards. I was like, Una, you were fantastic. And she was like, Dad. And she said this. She goes, Dad, you would say I was fantastic even if I wasn't fantastic. And I said to her, I go, you're right. Like, that's true. Mm -hmm. I go, you're much better at logic than you are at ballet. <laughs> of course, I didn't say. Dad. But, but that's why she's going to come at me when she's 16. Do you think, I mean, if you if you were to deliver that joke to your daughter, uh, how do you think she would react? I think, I, you know, I think she'd think it's funny, actually. Uh -huh. Una's really, my daughter's, I mean, of course, I'm biased. My daughter's a genius. My daughter's funny, all that stuff. But right. it's like. I think she's pretty funny. <laughs> I think she'd laugh. I think uh, I think at, for an angle of attack for the bit is uh, your daughter outwitting you 
in the no absolutely right. that's definitely what's happening yeah yeah she would say i'm fantastic even though i wasn't fantastic right it's like i got checkmated by my daughter but she's, what but what if you eight. what if you told her no you wouldn't what if you said no i wouldn't and then she was like you wouldn't? What kind of father are you? Oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, what, what you're kind supposed of, to. What kind of father are you? <laughs> yeah. That's funny. You know, I, I just I always appreciate something that turns the uh, the comic into an unexpected. Like you take an unexpected turn in your voice or your your joke for that moment, yeah. kind of thing. Like normally you would say, maybe you would end it on your daughter checkmating you, but I think always as like a fun exercise. Like, what's the most extreme? Yeah, like this run it up you know? yeah 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 it'll be fun completely yeah and I, so a lot of a lot of things i've been ruminating on lately have to do with like me thinking back to like when i was eight when i was 10 you know when i was a teenager so much of like what i've you know like what the way i don't know about your process is in terms of like finding themes and stuff is like i kind of just do like a memory dump on stage in the sense of like what's the thing i remember what's a punchline for that what's the thing i remember you know etc yeah and the thing I keep coming back to from high school and from being an adult is I've always been someone who tries really hard. Mm -hmm. What prevents you from breaking that habit or being different from not trying hard or changing your process? Or what, what compels you to try as hard as you do? I would venture to guess. I'm playing armchair psychiatrist no, like at it. the moment. I like it. It's dramaturgy yeah. or psychology, whichever way you want to describe it. I think it's, I, I think honestly, it's a, it's just a void. I think the try, I think you try hard uh -huh. sometimes in my case, just judge myself. I think I, I think you have a thing where you don't feel, you know, in my case, like, you know, one of your parents, you don't feel maybe as love. <laughs> and then, uh -huh. and then you're like trying to fill the void. That is that. Uh -huh. And then you're like, you don't know how. And so one of the ways is just trying really hard by following the rules of what people are doing that's, uh, that they seem like they knew what they do, they're doing. And so that, I think that's why I end up trying so hard. You think if you fixed that uh, void, you would stop trying hard? Quite possibly. I think about that all the time with Buddhism because I like read a lot of Buddhist stuff and, huh. you know, and it's like a lot of it is, is if, I, if I arrived at this, uh -huh the goals of Buddhism. I don't know if I'd have a lot of jokes. That's the problem. This is, <laughs> right, let's cut the mics and talk. <laughs> let's cut the mics. Talk some shit about Buddhism <laughs> and Hinduism. <laughs> I've been waiting. Y'all close your ears, everybody. <laughs> no, for real though. Like, do you ever think about that? I think about it. I've been thinking about it recently, uh, actually. My friend reads a lot of Buddhist stuff too. And we were talking about this high on my stoop the other day. Mm -hmm. So it's not. It might not be the fullest, uh, fully <laughs> most fully coherent uh, a set of thoughts on Buddhism and its uh, teachings of acceptance, because that's what it is, right? Of course, you're supposed to accept the world, accept the reality as it is, right, or, and, or whatever and, it is, not and, even reality. And in Hinduism, it's a little similar, where it's like they teach this concept of equanimity. Yeah. Uh, which is just being even keeled in any situation. Yeah. Don't be, experience sadness. Don't experience happiness. Like just be neutral because the only truth in the universe is that we're from the universe. We go back to the universe. That's yeah. what like the, one of the tenets of Hinduism is. And in doing, trying to practice that, you remove your sense of joy. Yeah. 
because you don't find happiness in anything. And if you if you get something, you're like, uh, am I supposed to feel good about this? Yeah. So it removes, it stops you from feeling that. It's kind of no peaks, no valleys. Exactly. And, and so like, I'm always trying to get to the core thing that makes me feel that way. Like going back to why you're trying so hard yeah. and what void you're trying to fill. I think if you were to catch that thing and not practice Buddhism, you might actually enjoy the thing that you caught, like if you filled that void and maybe you still keep trying hard because that brings you joy now. Does that track? Can you repeat that last part? I tracked right till the if end. If you try, if you try really hard, uh, if you if you get to the thing that's making you try really hard, yeah, like you're trying to fill a void, so you're yeah. trying to work really hard so that you maybe you get this thing. Yeah. If you got that thing, let's say it's your dad's love, yeah, then easy. <laughs> then, then then I think you would try hard because that trying hard will bring you an additional level of joy. In right. Work. As opposed to right now you're not enjoying the trying because it's not bringing you the thing. Right. You're just avoiding getting that thing. Right. So for me, like working very hard yeah. for a long time, I didn't realize, I, could, I did not know why my parents divorced when I was two. Yeah. Right. And I had that conversation with my mom and my dad, uh, not my father, my dad, yeah. who my mom remarried when I was like four. Yeah. Only dad I've ever known. I resolved that issue and now like... All my work is like freer. I just intangibly freer. Somehow. Interesting. I'm like, okay, I'm not mad at this thing anymore. I, whatever subconscious mad there was is gone, and yeah. now whatever work I was doing to not feel that mad, yeah, is work I'm doing because I just enjoy doing the work. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Hinduism and Buddhism are great philosophies, and you should practice them if you can <laughs> <laughs> that's your save yes. that's your save at the end yes. do you have jokes you're working out hmm? <sighs> let's see i've been working on a bit about who the first patel must have been <laughs> in the country yeah. you know because everyone's like why are there so many patels and i, I say this joke in my uh first specials because it's because we'd be fucking right but that just like <laughs> that made me think about like who was the first guy yeah because but for what I know about Indians in America, how we ended up here, yeah, early eighteen, early nineteen hundreds, late eighteen hundreds, we were like brought here as work, like we were working in like on the in the ports and all that kind of shit. And thank you for that, by the way. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, we but, really appreciate it. And, we talk about it all the time. Yeah. We, the White Federation of America, bring it up in your notes uh, at the meeting tonight. Right. Uh, then from like 1920 to 19, 1920, there's a landmark Supreme Court case, mm -hmm. Bhagat Singh versus the United States, where he's like, he's fighting, he's arguing for his right to vote in this country. Um, and because Caucasians are the only people allowed to vote. Mm. At the time, Indian people in India were considered from Caucasia, like the, sub, yes. like the geographical, yes. to whatever that is. Right. I don't know, but so they called us, but they called us Indians because they, they called us Caucasians because they already had Indians, you know, yeah. natives. And 1921, that case happens. They say Indians are not Caucasian, moreover, so they can't vote. Moreover, uh, you're all being deported. Wow. So they kick us, they kick like 3,000 Indian people out of the country. Wow. And deport them. And so 1965, America lifts the Asian American Exclusion Act, yeah, which like was put into place like keep Asians out of the country, yeah. And 
the first Patel probably came over in like 1965. Okay. And they, but they didn't go to like New York, like cool places. <laughs> yeah. They would end up in like Alabama. Sure. Yeah. Or, you know, and it's like, who was that first guy that told, and the story is they, they tell all their cousins to come over, work at the motels, work in these places. Yeah. And that's how, you know, at least part of the Patel community became what it is, which is like the largest owners of motels and hotels in the country. I didn't know that. That's news to me. Very strongly held stereotype and very proud of it. Uh, but Patel Motel Cartel is like a thing. Hudson's <laughs> definitely said it. Hudson's part of it. Oh, really? Uh, for sure. But what I was saying is that first Patel yeah. was definitely lonely <laughs> and, and definitely a liar, right? Like <laughs> no, Jacksonville's Definitely great. lonely, definitely a liar. <laughs> Jacksonville's fantastic. <laughs> you gotta That's come. That's a great joke. Thank you. But Jacksonville's I'm just, fantastic. You gotta come. That is the ultimate diss track. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jacksonville's fantastic. fantastic. <laughs> That's a great album title too. <laughs> yeah. Jacksonville's fantastic. <laughs> I'm gonna cat me and Cat Williams gonna go yeah, on yeah, exactly. nine yeah, minute yeah. tears about yeah. Jacksonville. <laughs> I love yeah, yeah. I love that bit. Oh, that's great. But like that, I'm trying to expand. That's an amazing bit. Thank I think you. one of the things I love about that bit is that it teaches me something too. Yeah. Because you go over like all the like the acts and all the different history of it. And it's like some of it I know, some of it I don't know. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I, I really enjoy it. And especially that it lands comedically. Thank you. Jacksonville's great. And also it hinges on like the, the person was a liar. Yes. Which is hilarious. <laughs> that's, thank you very much. I appreciate that dissection of it. <laughs> it's just like, how, what... I, I think there's a lot of meat on the um, like the explanation bones still. Yeah, yeah. I, I know I can make jokes about each one of those things. Yeah. Again, I, oh my my mo for writing is like try to have a complete bit. Yes. Uh, I think I have the same exact thing. It's like well, because without the complete bit, what are you doing? Right. I mean, you, I have tons I, of jokes. Yeah, I have tons of. That, trust me, I got cards and cards and you cards know. of jokes, and I always say like. I'm trying to create a special that essentially has six 10-minute chunks. Yes, exactly. I'm trying to turn this into six. Structure it, add yeah. me to it, whatever. Yeah. And so with this one, I know I'm just, I know there's a ton of meat on the histor- historical bones. Yeah, yeah. But like, it feels like a very early on, like I know there's more after Jacksonville's fantastic. I think maybe there's some turn where you you say like you're a liar in some way or some, something where like, because I know I'm a liar. Maybe you the, know what I mean? Yeah, maybe the family shows up, like they're there with their suitcases. That, and like, you said Jacksonville was awesome, Right, man. right, right. You can say that. You can play where that the, through. Where are the... Where are the women running around butt naked? Yes. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll add like, to it. But... No bugs at all, you said. Right, 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 right. You can start <laughs> taking apart the places. No, but I, I really do think you could pivot into something that like you, where you've done an analogous thing in your life mm-hmm. where you're lonely and lying. Yes, yes. It's like when I did this, you know yeah. what I mean? Like so, I tried to, you know, convince someone to come out with me when I was, you know, just like, I was stuck. God, I was me. stuck in Fargo. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, so I asked an opening act to come and do the show with me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's great. Yeah, yeah. Crowds are great. It's gonna be a good time. I great promise. hotel. Yeah, yeah. You know? I, I got you, man. <laughs> definitely running water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, I know what you mean. It's like that joke is very front heavy mm-hmm. and it's got a really strong short punchline, but then like 
It's like, well, then what? Yes. It's like, if this, then what else? I kind of envision it as the uh, act one yeah of a of a five act hour long play or a, a you know of a of a movie well the other thing is like you could dig into like what you could find out the truth of like what the first patel family was it's like it's it's so hard to trace that. is it really yeah i think like the discovery of like you know your theory is that first patel was lonely and a liar and then the act two i think is finding out what the real Patel was like yeah. and how that compares and contrasts to what your theory is. Uh-huh. And then no matter what, like if you're right, that's pretty funny. Yeah. If you're wrong, that's pretty funny. Yeah, Usually yeah, yeah. you're wrong is funnier than you're right. A hundred percent. The first Patel was just oh, an angelic benefactor of a man. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, who knows? Or something else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe he's a cult leader. I, I mean, hope Who so. knows? I hope so. <laughs> I hope I'm like fourth generation victim of a cult. I don't even know it. <laughs> Jesus. That'd be sick. Working It Out is supported by Squarespace. Squarespace is an all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. I should point out that this is an ad for Squarespace, but I love Squarespace. I was thrilled when they became an advertiser because we've used them for years. Our website for Thank God for Jokes was Squarespace. Our website for Stand Up and Vote was Squarespace. Couldn't recommend it more highly. We use it all the time. Start a completely personalized website with the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint. You can sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses, or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music, or eBooks. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, head to squarespace.com slash burbigs, B-I-R-B-I-G-S, to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash burbigs to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Support for Working It Out comes from Viore. Viore is a clothing company that draws inspiration from the coastal California lifestyle. I was thrilled that they were willing to be a sponsor because I could just talk about how soft and comfortable their clothing is all the time. I mean, I'll read the stuff they told me to say. It's uh, It inspires others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it does that. But also, my experience is it's very, very comfortable. Viore offsets 100% of their carbon footprint. And since 2019... They've also offset 100% of their plastic footprint. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they're offering 20% off. Ooh, that's good. Your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable, versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash burbigs. That's viore.com slash burbigs. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping. What? Free shipping. On any U.S. orders over 75 bucks and free returns. That's viore.com slash burbigs. Discover the versatility of Viore clothing. So the final thing we do is working it out for a cause. And it's like we donate to an organization that you think is, does a good job. Mm-hmm. And then we link to them in the show notes. Awesome. Yeah. So, like, any nonprofit that you ever contribute to? I have my cousin's nonprofit just started. Uh, he's uh, a member, and then his wife is a co-founder of it. Uh, it's called South Asian Americans for Change. That's great. It's a, a 
mental health awareness nonprofit, mental health in the South Asian communities, I think like starting to get attention mm-hmm. uh, just now. It feels like almost a groundswell will happen soon, but it's just starting to get attention. And uh, just like, I I am not a spokesperson for the organization, Yeah, but uh, I'm on, not the board, but whatever. It's like, I'm like, hey, here. I'm, You're on I'm hey, in, here. Yes. Yeah. I appreciate this organization, but my way of doing my charity for it is by just going to therapy and yeah. t- telling people I'm going to therapy. That's great. And uh, I'm going to be doing like so many bits about it. About <laughs> <laughs> just there. Like, it's like uh, we can't, the comedians not, yeah. can't not think of anything in relation to <laughs> how is this going to be a bit? Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, that's half the reason I went. It's like, all right, I'm, I'm out of shit to talk about again. And we'll, uh, we're, we're, we'll contribute to them. And uh, thanks for coming on, man. The special's great. Congrats. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. Working it out. Cause it's not done. We're working it out. Cause there's no That's gonna do it for another episode of Working It Out. Um, I love that Nimesh Patel. You can watch that special Lucky Lefty on YouTube for free. YouTube. This is interesting. It, it, it's in English and it's dubbed into the Gujarati language. That that's wow. That's fascinating. I've never seen that before. You can follow Nimesh on Instagram at Finding Nimesh. And you can watch the full video of this on our YouTube channel, uh, Mike Birbiglia, at Mike Birbiglia on YouTube. Check that out. Subscribe to the channel. We're, we've been posting these. People have loved uh, the Jim Gaffigan episode, the Ira Glass episode, the Elise Myers episode, uh, Hassan Minhaj episode. This, it's been, the YouTube experiment has been fascinating. It's something people have asked us for years to do. And we did it, and uh, all of you, I really appreciate the people who have supported that. Check out uh, birdbigs.com to sign up for the mailing list for the upcoming shows. Our producers of Working It Out are myself, along with Peter Salamone and Joseph Birbiglia, associate producer Mabel Lewis, consulting producer Seth Barish, assistant producer Gary Simons, sound mix by Shub Saren, supervising engineer Kate Belinsky. Special thanks to Marissa Hurwitz, Josh Upfall, David Raphael, and Nita Quick. My consigliere Mike Berkowitz. Special thanks to Jack Andonoff and Bleachers for their music. They have a new single out this week called Modern Girl. Uh, I just, one of my favorite bands on the planet. Incredible. Special thanks to my wife, the poet J-Hope Stein. Little Astronaut is in your local bookstore. Special thanks, as always, to my daughter, Una, who built the original Radio Fort made, made, made of pillows. Thanks most of all to you who are listening. If you enjoy the show, rate us. And just write a thing on Apple Podcasts. It really helps. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. Tell your doctor. A lot of medical talk on the show today. Maybe next time you're getting an exam, feeling a little vulnerable, you could break the tension, break the ice, and go, hey, you know, while you're down there, or up there, or up here, or over there, (laughs) I just want to recommend a podcast you might enjoy. It's where this comedian Mike Birbiglia interviews other comedians and creative folk then maybe they'll tell their other patients. And because laughter is the best medicine, right? No, it's not. It's it's clearly it's clearly not. But it it is a type of medicine. It is there there, you know, I would go with medicine for your primary medicine, and then maybe secondarily, or as a tertiary solution, you could go with uh, laughter. All right, we're working it out, everybody. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>